Welcome back to the Between Breaths podcast. Um, I've just come off recording the episode with Eric Tessie from Flow Ops. And it's a wow, wow, we were. Um, now, it's, um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Eric. We started doing a bit of work together about a year ago. Um, we met up together um, when I was in Canada last year. And we actually recorded a video um, online course that's available on probreathwork.com as of now it's literally launching with uh, the podcast and there is a, an introductory offer it's um, just 79 pounds rather than 99 pounds um, as, as an introductory offer for um, everyone wanting to, to to jump in and Eric has a as an expertise and specialism in the the nuances particularly of like the airway the neck and the ribcage um, you're going to learn so much in this um, podcast. I think every time I've spoken to Eric, I've learned something new. Um, I've it's been just uh, educational, enjoyable. Um, we have a lot of fun together. Um, but working with him has been yeah, just one of those. It's been something that's um, improved my own coaching um, as a coach. So um, I'm excited for you to to listen to the podcast. Um, and I'd be really excited for you to take a bit of a deep dive with with both me and Eric um, together. We recorded this when we were in um, Canada last year. And um, yeah, that that uh, course, the airway neck and ribcage training, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's probably everything about breathing that you don't know yet, <laughs> that, that you should know. Um, so I'm delighted that Eric has teamed up with me at probreathwork.com. Um, with uh, uh with this with this course and it is available as of now it's literally launched today with this podcast episode so i want to thank um eric for being part of that and also thank you for heading over to probreathwork.com and checking it out the links uh, are in the show notes for that and you can get that introductory offer as of today highly recommend checking it out and then before we listen and get uh, all of those juicy bits of information from Eric, I want to thank the podcast sponsors, hvmn.com, and they produce the Ketone IQs product that I've been using um, for over 18 months now, something that I've started introducing in with my hydration salts to uh, fuel my endurance training. I've got the hardest marathon in the UK this year the Aruri Marathon, that's the Snowdonia Marathon, and also Snowden 24 in July. I'm coming back to the mountain. Well, I'm here at the mountain anyway, but I'm coming back to beat six reps that I did in the competition uh, last time. So it's helping with that training, um, but also helps really well with um, focus, concentration, and also sleep. And particularly, I mean, another area that have, uh, that's been well researched in with, with ketones is because it will um, pass the blood-bane barrier um, it is a great fuel source for the brain, which can help with focus concentration, but also with um, brain health and brain recovery. So people like myself that have been through a series of concussions, it's um, been uh, well studied um, in that um, sort of part of the rehabilitation process. So I know there are a lot of people involved in contact sports that um, listen to this podcast and um, Keaton IQ might be something that you think about um, supplementing with um, to help with your brain health so um you get 
uh, from the podcast sponsors, you get a 20% discount code with um, Jacko. And the, if you go to the link hvmn.com forward slash Jacko, you get that 20% off your ketone IQ. Um, you get that um, automatically added to your cart. They come in the, the the larger bottles or what I've got here with me as I'm showing those looking on the, the on YouTube, the little um, uh, portable or transportable um shots of the ketone iq variation so check them out at hvmn.com forward slash jacko and as ever the link is in the show notes so let's uh let's let's get stuck in to this podcast with eric tessie from flow ops on the between breaths podcast we enter this world taking our first breath and sadly we leave this place taking our last and what i want to do with this podcast is to explore what happens between those breaths. I'm David Jackson, Jacko, and this is the Between Breaths podcast. Okay, here is a podcast uh, guest I've been very excited to get on, Eric Tessie from FlowOps. Eric, welcome to the Between Breaths podcast. Thanks for having me, Jacko. Appreciate you, brother. Um, for those that, that don't know, Eric, we we probably connected about a year ago. And then in April um, 2023, so April last year when I was in um, in Canada, we, we, we did a bit of work together. We actually recorded a course that's now available. Um, and fascinating work that you do, Eric. I'm, just to give people a bit of a flavor of how do you, how do you get to a, a point with your coaching where, okay, now I really, I, I feel weird about telling people that I teach them how to breathe. And I think you go into nuances around the airway, around the neck and around the rib cage yeah. that a lot of people have yet to get to that point. I think of, of looking at the minutia of that and then yeah. the seeing the benefits, like how did, how was your journey to the, how do you get to that point? And just for, yeah. you know, I know there'll be a number of people listening to this that already follow you on, on Instagram. Maybe they remember with the, with the flow ops crew, but there'll be a lot of people maybe that are listening to between the podcasts that, that haven't come across you and your work. So just give them a little bit of a, a flavor and then we're going to get into some detail. Of course, man. I, I think a lot of this started out of two reasons. Number one, the pain that I was experiencing and the dysregulation that I was experiencing within my own body got to a certain point where you know, everything's kind of hurting. I can feel my breathing is really restricted. I can feel the stress and it's just starting to get worse. So almost a point of desperation again, some, you know, like injuries from the past as well, unable to, you know, put these pieces together. So I had to start looking a little bit deeper. That's number one. And then number two, on the other flip side of that is clients that I had worked with. Like, you know, I, I'd be helping people focusing more on movement than anything or alignment of the body, um, things like that nature you know, some people are getting good results, but then other people it's, you know, I'm seeing in real time, like this isn't enough, <laughs> you know, what's, yeah. what's missing here. I'm trying to help this person with their alignment and how they're moving, um, how they're tensioning their body, but you know, they're still in pain. What's why, why do they keep having that issue? So I had to just keep looking deeper, man, um, into these deeper layer pieces, deeper layer tensioning, um, you know, the hydraulic, the, the breathing hydraulics, not just the chemical side, but the, the biomechanical bio, yeah. energetic side and um, relating all that to the nervous system and stress response, uh, autonomic behaviouring. So it's, it's, it's for sure, it's for sure been a journey getting to this point, but it, it started, man, out of a state of like, I got to do more to help my people and I need to figure out my own shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's it often when people have the passion that you do and, and end up going down these these particular areas of interest, it often comes from a place of like, we've done, we've had to do this work on ourselves. Um, and I think mm -hmm. it's interesting you say, there's so many similarities I have in terms of um, coming up, for me, coming up breathing first as a strength and conditioning coach, and then realizing, yes. actually, there's this whole system that goes before all of this other stuff that we're not being taught. And it, it sounds like you, it was similar. What type of, uh, what type of either training and coaching were you doing initially before you got into the sort of the breath side yeah. that you do? Yeah. Um, like powerlifting and, and bodybuilding type of hybrid, um, really focused on like helping my clients with body composition and not causing like additional pain. Um, but it was more, more like gen population, but again, like myself, like I was really focusing powerlifting body bodybuilding i'd like be training my clients in those type of modems so it's it yeah. sounds still somewhat relevant to strength training depending on how you yeah, want to like break this sure. stuff down but um that's dude that's where my passion started um and then yeah you know out of a product of hey i'm still in pain hey you know clients aren't really 100 figuring out those issues um led me to more functional dynamic type movement training things that you know maybe someone would say is relative to the gait pattern or, or, you know, like how you're supposed to absorb and release energy and motion. Um, so that was, that, that was kind of how it evolved from strength to the, I guess, functional quote unquote movement training or, you know, dynamic movements. And, uh, you know, we just keep going, going deeper until we're at the point where we're at now. And it's, you know, it, it, it where we want to start from is before movement really. Yeah. Right. Which is breathing, swallowing, autonomic just holding your body up living with your body not being in like a stress state unnecessarily yeah yeah we're uh now i'm i'm excited to get to get stuck into the detail of this um and for for those watching or those listening you might want to switch at some point to watching this this the podcast available on youtube as well because um some of the some of the alignment some of the stacking some of the like work that uh eric does on queuing for clearance of airway and, and neck posture and these types of things um there'll be some visual cues i think that people will find um interesting for sure so i did want to flag that up and i wanted to give a shout out to um, a couple of people the likes of nigel beach and uh, brian mabella who were um two mutual friends and mutual coaches that um we've both spoke to and worked with and um when these guys were like you know Eric's a legit guy. You need to look at some of the stuff that he's doing. Um, and one of the big things for me, Eric, that I'd love you to just set the scene for us to go a bit deeper for people is that typically when we're talking about breathing mechanics, there'll be lots of breathing coaches listening to the podcast, right? We're thinking about like, okay, breathing mechanics, people go straight away, like our, our physiotherapist that will go straight away to like, okay, how is the rib cage moving? Are they diaphragmatic breathing? And we go down here. And I think one of the things that um, I found really interesting and eye-opening and also so simple to make some changes was like going, well, what's, hold on, what, what about what's going on up here? And okay, a lot of us go like nasal breathing and maybe we've told tongue to the roof of the mouth, but we've, we often don't go much further than that. And my first question for you is, why do you think that or what from your perspective from what you see mm -hmm. 
before we go to this like what's going on above uh, you know from sort of neck up we still get a lot of misinterpretation misunderstanding and um miscuing of mm -hmm. diaphragmatic breathing belly breathing where do you stand on yeah. that and and why do you what if you do you know yeah. what, what what do you see with some of the where have we gone wrong with that type of stuff yeah. like i know for example i had a i had a professional mma fighter last week point to literally by below his belly button because we were doing mm. some work on his lower rib cage and he was touching and i said that's your there's your diaphragm it's going to move like this and he was like what i can't remember if it was like a yoga teacher or pilates instructor but someone had told him and he pointed below his belly button he said like oh i i was told my diaphragm's down here wow and except that's you know he won't be the only person that's right man it's you know i just think there's so much going on and i think where people get confused is trying to limit it to one spot so as many people who are going to tell you you know you got to breathe into your diet, which is, of course, we want to utilize our diaphragm. As many people are going to tell you to do that, there's going to be other people are going to say, whoa, man, like, don't expand your chest. You know, then, you know, those people are going to be afraid of expansion through their rib cage or their upper chest because they think that it's um, going to be like a reverse breathing or they're afraid of their collarbones lifting up or their yeah. shoulder bones lifting up. Um, and that's more like pathological, right? But then we get afraid of like pathological things and then we try and zero it down into like, okay, this one thing, I just got to breathe into my diaphragm and everything else is going to do what it needs to do. Um, we break it down. Um, how I break it down from like a, a shop aspect, Jacko is okay. It's like, okay, the pelvic floor, that's like one cavity, right? The pelvis and the pelvic floor is one cavity. Then you have your rib cage. That's another cavity, right? And then you have your third one, your mouth, your palate, your skull, so there's three cavities within your midline. I think of your midline as your spine, your neck, and your head. That is your body. That's where all the organs are, right? And you just got limbs coming out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically, everything is supposed to expand within your midline from like the bottom, you know, right to your gooch, your perineum, like the bottom of your spine, all the way to the top of your skull. There's, you know, um, pressure dynamics happening, expansion happening um within those cavities those three different cavities and everywhere else in between so th there's just a lot going on and i think when we try and like limit it to just like okay here's just this one cue and then now you breathe perfect or here's this one place i want you to direct air and then everything else is going to work itself out i think there's just a little bit you know there's a little bit more to it bro on top of you know the the sweet sabots of how we're aligning the bones and how we're tensioning the tissues are going to implicate the access for the air to even travel into these different pockets that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things I love about the work that we've done together is that we are looking at the, the human body, looking at it, the whole kinetic chain, looking at the functional anatomy of, of the entire system, respecting the complexity of it. But what I feel that we've done, we do very well. Um, and we've done this together in that, in that course as well, but with our own work is, as respecting the complexity of that and not being like it's going to be just this one thing but at the same time the the way we can get people to just get something a little bit better either stacked or in line or you know connected and how how very simple and easy it is to make 
improvements and changes with people in just a few minutes or just a few breaths or certainly within within one session um and i think that that's one of the that's just one thing that's just something i wanted to to highlight to people because we are probably going to talk in some detail about these about these different aspects of the, how the body is interacting with the, with breathing but at the same time stick with us within this podcast because we're gonna we'll, we'll get into then like well what does that actually then mean that you're going to do when you're doing an exercise or a, or a particular breathing cue that you you give and you like you try those things and it's like oh yeah that feels easier that feels better um so and, and i've got some things like uh, when i'm working with some of the athletes one-on-one we we measure um heart rate variability in real time with a with a app called hanu health and you know doing different things with their with their ribcage doing different things with their breathing rates and and whatnot you, we get to see in real time how their nervous system you mentioned nervous system before like how their nervous system how the hrv is responding when the ribcage is in a better position when the diaphragm is functioning better um when we do some down regulation on the nervous system and it's really cool to be able to um see that i also like the fact that um i think you're the first and possibly i don't know if we'll have it again person to say gooch on the <laughs> on, on the pod, on the podcast <laughs> um, oh my goodness so no keep it let's keep it technical um with 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 the gooch but so um let's go a little bit <laughs> let's go a little bit higher up then um yeah yeah man and where as we go above the the collarbones let's say we go above the the rib cage yeah. we're now talking about airway we're talking about the nose you're talking about your tongue you're talking about the jaw the palate like where have we again same sort of question of like where have we gone wrong or why has that been missed what do you see yeah in that area yeah. and i think if we really break that down it starts from i guess like societal cultural like you know historical influences um why why why, are, why is our airway from the neck up not what it used to be right and you know we just end up as a society we're just always looking down we're always in this state of flexion where bones are starting to come forward everything's in the bottom half of the visual field like life is a lot easier now right there's like people don't got to work as hard and we get stuck being less more less sedentary than like yeah. historically we used to be um you know we're not getting the same kind of nutrition food quality soil quality you know except we can go off in a certain topic yeah it's yeah it's not totally that it's not that relevant it is but it you know it's another it, conversation I, but. yeah some, sometimes people say things to me like um we might have done something and then they go and it's a great question i think i like but if breathing's automatic like how come we're doing it so badly? how come my tongue isn't at the roof of my mouth now if my tongue's supposed to be at the roof of my mouth like why isn't it then if i'm supposed to nasal breathe why do i want to mouth breathe like why why is why is that the case and i've started to answer that question um more simply a little bit as you were going into there of going well nothing almost nothing we do in life now is natural or normal for our biology and in you know i in as much as like shoes aren't normal and natural and people are like what do you mean like what is well 
But as in, they've only been around for whatever, you know, in comparison of how long these things have been around. Like you say, almost everything that we do these days is not normal and natural. And therefore, it's almost to me that make, makes me go like, well, of course, this thing called breathing, that's the, the, literally the heartbeat of us, it's the thing that's giving us life. Of course, that's not doing its normal, natural thing. Of course, that's a bit more upregulated. Of course, that's a bit more dysfunctional, a bit less efficient, and we and we have to do it more. It makes a lot of sense to me when I think about it. Um, yeah, think yeah we have to have a way to explain it. I mean, obviously, what's going on isn't normal, but there's, I mean, I've always thought that we can explain like pathologies that are happening within us. And I think that's what starts it. You can say that like inattention to how we're supposed to breathe or how we're supposed to regulate our nervous system or inattention to deeper layer uh, tissue tensioning and bone alignment that implicates the airway. Like, yeah, all that stuff affects it. But like what, what really starts, you know, the pathologies that we get disturbed breathing, sleep apnea, like, you know, deformities with like our facial structure even too because like we're not chewing hard enough we're not getting enough nutrition like the tongue suction is just it's not happening at all you know there's there, there's a reason for it essentially so but I, yeah i think we know where it starts and just yeah. giving an honest answer to the audience it's like yeah we're we're going to be doing things to improve this but understanding like the the root cause isn't you're a bad you know like you're a bad breather or you're a yeah bad mover the real root causes like modern society yeah right and like our upbringing you know like, you can go into like the individual nuance of upbringing and trauma etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i mean i find as something as simple as if you if you get someone to lie on the floor so they're supported and they don't have to stabilize themselves you bend their knees put their feet flat and they're lying supine on their back and you just get them to think about and maybe count their breathing. We know that when someone counts their breathing and thinks about their breathing, they just be present and just be aware of their breathing. It naturally slows down. Like, and when they're in that supported position, it's much easier for their diaphragm to do some breathing like, and, the, and the chest can relax. That just something as simple as that and that awareness for a lot of people makes a huge difference. And one of the things that we probably aren't very good at in a busy day-to-day -day life in the in the first world is we're not very aware of just ourself and our body and yeah. our the, the present moment and and i'm sure that just when we do you know sometimes when we do like a breathing practice with someone i do like my instagram lives and stuff where you know just stop for 10 20 minutes and just yeah, focus just be still and focus on your breathing goes an awful long way to 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 help you not just breathing, but just everything. Yeah. So um I, I, I start every single group coaching session that I do with breathing, man. Like we do cadence, we do air hunger, and then like all from supine. Yeah. Um growing into the ground, like starting to tension while breathing, cadence, light slow. Um it, it it starts with that, man. Just it's funny how people are still kind of like underlooking how important that is. And you know, the biggest um, aha moment for me, man, which really blew my mind was like, yeah, of course the breathing is important to keep you alive and, you know, like the chemical side and how it's implicating your blood and your nervous system. But to think that you like, you know, the way that you can breathe into your body and being able to send the air into these different pockets of your body simultaneously and like an organized, efficient, um, hydraulic kind of way. Yeah. You know, it, it implicates the stability of your body very much so. 
Um, and I think that's one of the most like, whoa, you know, that I think people don't really realize that the way that you breathe into your body implicates how you hold yourself up against gravity and how you can like express movement patterns. It's not just, you know, for the mind or for the heart or for the lungs. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And, you know, look, we, an obvious one I always think is you take someone without, you know, don't, don't tell them that you're looking at their breathing, but someone goes into say mm -hmm. a plank or someone goes in to do a, um, some sort of plyometric, some sort of jumping. What do they do? <gasps> they hold their breath. Our, our, my S&C coach back when I played rugby, he wasn't into breathing or anything, but he was into being, being able to like relax and be able to, you know, not just hold global tension. Um, yeah. And he would be, he's a French guy, be like, you're not going underwater. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you taking this big gasp of air into to do this very simple drill or you're trying to jump, like you need to relax, you need to like hold, yeah. So there is a- and Even if I could like piggyback on that, yeah. that's like even a sense, of, that's like a sign in real time. Like you're like exerting yourself almost more than you need to like contextually for what's yeah. happening. And it's, Why are you holding your breath in that context? And it's your, you're, you're doing something with your breath to create some sort of stabilization that your mind is perceiving that maybe it hasn't able to stabilize unless it does this thing um like yeah. i think that goes a long way to opening people's eyes in a movement strength world that type of movement coach strength coach area that that i sit in where we go you know just 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 um just questioning and just challenging that like do yeah. i need to hold my breath there and sometimes there's going to be benefits to holding my breath whilst i perform a perform a certain thing yes. but then i go but how are you mechanically expanding when you then hold yeah. that breath, that's going to play a role. So, I mean, and that's the stuff that we're going to, that we're yeah. going to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's fascinating, man. It's, it's really still fascinating for me. I've been doing this for a while. I know you've been doing this for longer than me, but like, dude, it still blows my mind how, uh, how the pieces all come together and how we can dive so deep into these contexts. Oh yeah. But it, you know, but for me, I started with, um, a a message that's still printed on my uh, speedos on the back of my speedos or my budget smugglers it says keep it nasal i started with like you know right i'm like uh right you have to nasal breathe and i'm like nasal breathing everything no matter what and you know there was times where i was yeah i didn't I, i'm quite a gun ho type of guy so it's like i'm running up a hill and i'm like dying breathing awfully but i'm not opening my mouth thinking you know yeah. And, and and as as we said at the beginning, like you, yep, yep, you yep. go down these rabbit holes because you're working stuff out um, for yourself. So with that being said, um, yes, breathing through the nose compared to breathing through the mouth is beneficial for for a whole host of reasons that yeah. people have have come across. And if you've anyone's read the Oxfam, have come across any of that stuff or James Nestor's work, like we see that. Um, I think that the things that you add to this are massively important and i'd like mm -hmm. to just delve into that so not just nose versus mouth like let's let's talk about the actual airway at the back let's talk about the um the how the the position of the neck influences that your palate and your tongue your fate your jaw like in in whatever order you, you know, i'm leaving you as to be the expert on this to go I want to open up that can of worms and, and, and let you order that as, as, as mm -hmm. what, maybe, maybe the order of like, what do you see as most important and, or 
where would you start with a new client? Is it is it neck? Is it tongue? Is it palate work? Like where where do you start? And then let's yeah. let's unpick a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you know what, man. Like the the most honest answer, and we always always trying to be. I am an honest person, and I'm always going to give the best answer I can. But it's it's how that you know that piece isn't necessarily more important than um, what what's neck down. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like all right, we got like skull down things happening, we got feet up things happening both of them, you know, are going to implicate different parts of the body and implicate like ultimately how we can expand through our midline and how we can expand and contract through the organs. So in terms of the neck, starting there though, neck up, at your jaw, your palate, your tongue, hugely implicating the openness of the airway. Um, now, the thing is, is like, it's not just, you don't just go and tell somebody, okay, like now you need to start mewing, you need to start suctioning your tongue into the roof of the mouth it needs to be sticking into the palate right um because all, there's all these different underlying things that are going to help support that right it's not just one piece like a lot of people yeah. um people have horror stories actually with mewing where like it starts to cause so you start starts to cause additional problems right so if you don't have the underlying like you know we could say one thing space within your palate right um or if you don't have the underlying alignment of your neck or the underlying connection of your rib cage and pelvis. And then you just start thinking, okay, now I'm sucking my tongue all the time. I'm doing these press ups. You're, you're literally gonna cause additional damage, just like, uh, you know, if you were to do hard chewing on top of like a disorganized framework, right? And that's yeah. really anything, which is also too, we're, we'll go just very quickly here, even with like lifting and more intense, um, higher intense demands and trainings and intensity, it's the same thing. Like if you go and do that, with a compensated framework, the lifting can cause some problems on your body and cause some. I mean, that's not the the lifting's fault. That's not um, yeah. the tongue suction's fault or the the mastic gum, the hard chewing that you're doing. That's just like again foundational things um, that we need to make sense of. And when I talk about this, I don't mean to be like a fear. I don't want to bring that energy of like, yo, like you can't do anything until your body, <laughs> yeah. you know, like fully aligned and like everything's all perfect. This stuff. Yeah. But but I don't want to be like that at all, man. But you know, we got to respect that side of things too. And we just, we, we got to know where we're working towards. Um, I think you worded it earlier in the call. You said, man, if we can just get people like threading the needle, just like 1% towards that direction where we want to take them. That's all you got to do. And then you think like over the course of six months, a year, you've like dramatically changed somebody's life. Yeah. 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 There was, um, there's one um, coaching cue that you gave, um, during the course that we created together um, mm -hmm. about um, alignment that I'd never heard before. And awesome. really when I, it took a little while actually for my, for it to make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, because at first I was like, what, how's that, how's that sort of possible? Um, but, it, um, and I don't even know, it'd be interesting to see what you say, whether it's necessarily possible, but it's just the intention of it. It's a bit like when I say to, um, I say about that cue of like breathe into your face rather than breathing up your nose. You know, I've had someone comment like, you know, you can't, you, you can't breathe into your face. It's like, no, nah, it, it's the, it's a coaching, it's an intentional cue. And, and it's yeah, like, try it and see what difference it makes. But anyway, the, the cue you gave was um, about that, about that idea or concept of like, um, trying to get my palate on top of my throat. Yeah. 
in terms right. of stacking it. So at first, when I first heard that, I was like, yeah. I, did, I was like, like what? And then, even, how do I even do that? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas <laughs> now it's like it, it took me a bit to get it. And so I'm, 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 I'm sharing, I'm being, you know, again, being honest, I'm sharing that so yeah. that when someone listening, if they're hearing that for the first time, they also might be like, what does that mean? But I want them to. I want you to yeah. elaborate on that and yeah. why yeah. that helps with the sort of stacking. What that maybe show visually what that might, what that sort of looks like. What we're trying to achieve and why is that important in terms of the airway? Yeah, it's like you, you know, a lot of the cues are going to be more sensory based because I'm trying to bring attention to you feeling something that you currently can't feel. So mm-hmm. I can't just like, you know, of course we're going to be giving you cues that are very straightforward. Stack this on top of that, but then I can. I also want to give you language that's going to help you, um, like build up the sensory perception within an area that we're trying to make sense of of our body in this case it's the tongue right or in this case it's uh the stack we're talking about like that palate being all the way over the neck um and really again it's trying to make sense of like how much how much effort it is you see where my palate is like right here or like how much exertion it is to really get your neck and skull to the point where like i am fully aligned here my neck and skull is fully over my spine and then we're starting to get close to that palate sitting uh, over the throat, right? And again, so so as like a cue, a language piece, we may not be able to get there right now. When I, you first hear that cue, you'd be like, I literally can't do that right now. Or like, that hurts if I keep trying to pull my neck back. Um, and that's okay. It's just finding a sweet spot where you can start from and then you know where your goal is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think the... The thing for people as they're um, listening along to this, and if some of these bits are, are new, is to to try them as as Eric is describing them. Just try to create that sensation that we're that, that he's describing or, or cueing. Um, alongside that, then, so uh, tongue on top of the uh, palate on top of the the throat. Yep. What about then um, the jaw position um, mm. and? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let, um, so things, so things. Um, yeah, jaw, neck, and and strengthening of the neck. We had some questions in from Instagram about that. So we're just going to sort of slide into that area and then maybe look at the tongue after that. Yeah, you want to start with the jaw. Yeah, yeah. Start with the jaw there. So just what we're because, looking for. Yeah. So just just because um, a lot of people might be used to sort of maybe cueing. They might be more thinking about like tucking tucking the chin. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, there's and there's you know I've got I've got like I can move my neck, which is moving my my whole skull and my jaw part of it, but I can move my you know I can move my jaw separate to the skull, and both of those two things are going to yeah. have an effect on the airway, right? Yeah, hugely. The way that I like to describe it is your skull and your neck are moving back into our our stack and, and really because the stack is like our skull neck rib cage pelvis you could even say like knees and ankles um 90 degree angle you're looking at somebody in the side view right so yeah. that's that's really what we're trying to do when we hit that stack um sorry where dude i just got lost yeah off track. No, that's right uh, um so the relationship with the um with the jaw in yes, that position yes. um probably because um there's one of the exercises you went you put th- into uh the course that we developed together was the um the jaw pressing the there. jaw press where mm. uh, there was something you described around like that 
that um, that neck stacking where we're trying to get the palate on top of the throat, but then the jaw is like coming to meet it. And it's like a, yeah. that to me again was a, a aha moment when I was trying to do yeah. that exercise, that cue of like the jaw trying to meet the skull um, for me made a lot of sense, but it didn't. The first is again, one of those ones where the first time I heard it, I was a bit like, again, what does that? I don't, I'm not sure that I. I'm not sure that I get that. And and um, it was one of those like it. The the penny dropped for me. Um, interesting. It was it was when I was going back through the course on that one in particular. I was watching the videos back, and I was like, okay, I I, I feel like I get it now. Um, yeah. This describe that part for me one more time about how you're perceiving it. You're saying like the jaw meets was, the skull. Yeah. So so um, when I'm getting the um the palate on top of the throat. And then if I'm, when I'm doing that jaw press, maybe you can go through that. You can go through the jaw press and what that's yeah. about. Uh, again, cause I had a question about swallowing from people. Um, and it was like the jaw coming to meet as the skulls come about the jaws coming to, to meet it. Um, when we feel a lot of the, um, it's, and again, it's going to lead us into some of the mewing exercises, like building up some of the, the strength through the, the jaw and the neck muscles to actually support that stacking in that airway. Yeah. Yeah. It's like th those deep tissues in the neck muscle, we're definitely working that when we do this exercise, um, everything deep within the face. And then those muscles underneath the chin, they work with the tongue suction. And essentially, you got to think like all these, again, tissues under the chin and the tongue, one of their most important jobs is to like get the, the jaw away from the throat, away from the esophagus. And again, that's like this, this crucial distinction or confusion that I think there is, is like you said, it's like, you know, tucking the chin to bring your neck and head back. And it's really just finding a way to create that stack without your chin bracing or tucking against the effort. So it's like, yeah, you got to feel as if your neck, the back of your skull is getting heavier back. This will make more sense if you do these stacking exercises on the ground. You yeah. got to feel that. But, you know, there's zero tension underneath your chin or there's zero feeling of your chin is pulling back so it's like your chin is essentially your mandible mandible being your lower jaw um it doesn't have to like retract for us to bring our skull back for us to get out of forward head posture um and again that's the big i think like the most important thing there because you can have your neck in alignment but if you're throwing that jawbone your lower jawbone into your your neck it just recloses just yeah. recloses it. Same thing. You can suction the tongue yeah. up, you can nose breathe, but if that lower jaw keeps pushing in the airway, you just have another, uh, I guess, kink in the hose, leak in the hose, right? Yeah. And I think that, again, for people listening, as they're trying to piece this together for themselves, it's a case of try it and see the difference mm -hmm. between what you may have previously been doing if you took your chin and the difference between if you try and stack that palate on top of the throat and be aware of if yeah. your jaw not being pulled back in and then maybe maybe try and pull your jaw back in and see yeah. how much the your the sensation of the airway being open or closed feels mm -hmm. because you feel it immediately um and you start yeah. to that that starts to make us go okay <laughs> where i put my head in space relative to my body and where my jaw is is affecting my airway and if my airway is being affected it's affecting my breathing and i can make my breathing easier by having it more open i think there's some of the like super duper simple easy wins for people but i think what 
is lacking and what I, uh, what I really hope that um, people will get from, I guess, this next question or two-part question for you is like, the bit that's lacking is that we don't, um, we don't have, but partly because they're not like sexy, we don't have exercises mm -hmm. to build up like the postural positioning and postural strengthening around the jaw and around the neck. Now there will be some people that, you know, follow the, follow your work and, mm -hmm. you know, mewing and these types of exercises. And James Nestor's talked about, um, like chewing really hard chewing gum for him. I was, uh, I remember messaging you about the same thing. So there are some people, but the vast majority of people we're we're nowhere near thinking about that. Like, um, you know, I often Just talk about like forgotten pieces, right? Yeah. Seems I, don't, forgotten. I don't know that forgotten. I don't know that they've ever been trained. It's the same as like diaphragm strengthening. I don't see, I see athletes that I work with where they're getting really strong at everything, but then there's this other really important muscle right in the middle that doesn't get any strengthening work and it's getting left you know, behind. You, you watch them breathe. They're like doing all of these movement patterns, but then you, you watch breathe. them breathe. It's happening faster than you want it to be. The expansion's not there. They're not stable from the inside. For sure. And and what what they end up what we end up seeing is we get very 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 good because some of these people they're high performing athletes. They're international athletes, so they they they're performing, but their performance is going to their conditioning and their breathing and recovery is going to be limited by. Um, the 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 compensatory breathing pattern but essentially got very good at compensatory breathing but that has its limitations and yeah that's well, sorry, i sort of got all passionate then about that didn't I? but that's yeah, no, yeah, maybe totally we'll, we can agree. go down yeah we can go downstairs in a moment i want because i do what i do know is because i was exactly the same that we don't have exercises to work the neck the jaw and the tongue and i think there's really a couple of really simple exercises like the the mewing with the tongue yeah. and the suctioning like the um the jaw press that i'd love you to just go yeah. through for people because it's yeah, it's, it's something that people won't have yeah because it, it pieces is, together all those things that we've just spoken about i agree man um so like one one thing that's interesting too um about the tongue in relation to the jaw is that it's it's what's bringing the jaw forward, right? Like we can almost jut our chin or jut our lower jaw or feel like we're kind of protracting our maxilla, our upper jaw. There's a little bit of play we can do at the upper and lower forward, but like what's ultimately going to sustain that pressure, right? It's the tongue, right? It's it's like the deep tissues of the neck, but like, yeah, more so the, it's really the tongue. That's the direct one. Um, suctioning into the palate, cradling into the palate, applying pressure into the palate. That's what holds all of that forward away from the throat. So, I mean, starting dude, starting with the tongue, absolutely important. One of the things that I can tell anybody here listening is if you just want to feel how much your tongue should be suctioning, and it should be suctioning unless two things are happening, like you're, you're eating, drinking, or you're talking, your tongue should always be suctioning. Um, but what you'd want to do is open up your mouth a little bit. And then try and maintain a sucking effort with your tongue. So what we want to feel like is if this is the roof of the mouth, the tongue cradles into that palate, right? And when you start separating your teeth more and more, it's going to demand you to suck your tongue up. And then, good, yeah, you've seen that nice stretch in the middle, guys. That's how you see Jacko doing. That's how we know 
that you're suctioning properly. When you get that frenulum stretch in the middle, yeah, good. Fuck yeah. <laughs> right? So that kind of like effort, dude, he's opening his teeth. That's a lot of effort to maintain that degree of suction. You know Jacko has been doing his homework. But for anybody who's kind of unfamiliar with this, I want you to feel that and like retain that sucking effort for at least, you know, 15, 20, 30 seconds to feel how much your tongue will actually fire up just to sustain that. And you'll um, and feel you'll feel tongue fatigue yeah. if if oh. if you haven't done this before. Your people will feel tongue fatigue. You're like, wow, and then and then you realize, okay, the tongue it, the tongue is a muscle and it can be trained. And like anything, if it's not been if it's not been used and it's been low down where it isn't being stretched and hasn't got to um, perform any sort of tension, then it's yeah. going to get weak, like any muscle. Yeah, like quite literally uh, prolapsed. Right. Yeah. And then we're talking about it as like a pressure cap. Remember, we talked about the pressure cavity of the skull and the palate as like that's one area that inflates within the midline. Yeah. It's, you know, if that tongue doesn't know what to do and your autonomic like go to behavior is just like, I'm going to drop my tongue and go forward. Right. Then you're quite literally, we can use the word like prolapse to describe that. Um, and then we're not able to retain uh, buoyancy and stability within our own face. Right. And that's just like one thing. That's just one thing. But the inner suctions of the body um, are very important. Even the, we can even go to like the bottom, dude. It's like the groins and the perineum kind of act, like the gooch, groins, gooch, perineum kind of act <laughs> like a suction for the pelvic floor. Um, tongue acts like a suction for the skull and the palate. And then the lungs act like a, a suction up into the rib cage towards the collarbones by way of like the breath hydraulics. Um, so cool, man. Just every piece comes together. Every piece is like equally important. Yeah. Um, so tongue suctioning is, is, um, is one thing. The, the other than this, um, this neck press, which I think is a fascinating one because it, it does allow you to work on an awareness of that, that, that stacking, that pallet on top of the throat. You've got then the jaw position there. You've got like the, the strength to hold that position. And then even you bring in as a, as a final progression on it in the course that we've got where, um, you add in swallowing um yeah so just go through swallowing the go, let's let's come to swallowing um at the end of that um mm. because then we had a question about swallowing as well and i've got one myself yeah again it's since a lot of the things that we're doing it's so we're utilizing like our hand or like feedback on the skin or an object against a muscle or again the skin or trying to you know we use different tools and concepts mainly for feedback so when we do an exercise like this and we try and fire up the degastric, the tissues of the gullet underneath the chin that work with the tongue suction, it's just so we can feel that, right? So we have something to almost brace against, right? And then we breathe into our face with upward pressure at our fist. It's almost like we're trying to bite down against the pressure up through our fist and through our elbow as we retain suction. And, you know, all that's going to activate all these deep tissues in the neck, especially if we're in the stack. Um, and it's getting us again stronger from this stack position it's teaching us like when we do an exercise like this like there might be all this pressure it might feel uncomfortable we might be getting into like a really um upright position but we don't have to necessarily breathe faster um yeah and that you know dude whether it's a jaw press exercise or any exercise that's kind of the the ingredient that brings everything all together it's it's man like we're not responding to the stressors sympathetically 
yeah you know so um just for anyone that's that's listening and actually because some people just i know i mentioned like watching it on youtube we could but yeah. some people you might be in your car listening or on the train or something listening to this um that that neck press or that jaw press was you had your fist if you showed that yeah if you if you like that fist being in underneath the the chin um your tongue position you're suctioning your tongue right and then you're trying to stack like that palate on top of the um on top of the uh on top of the throat um if you maybe just in your own words if you you just describe that if we've got a listener that is only purely just listening mm -hmm. just in your own words you you describe that describe that position yeah yeah it's like biggest simplest way sensory feedback for the tissues that work with the tongue suction while we're driving force with our arm um which is again going to create this situation where all these deep tissue muscles in the neck are going to have to fire so it's strengthening the neck and then strengthening um like accessory tongue suction muscle tissues if that makes sense yeah. and then the the final progression which we talked about was adding a swallow into that um and swallowing being and saliva production being something that's indicative of uh vagal tone it's very important so we want to make swallowing easier it's directly related to like everything else we're trying to do um so what we're doing here is we're actually like applying force into the airway essentially like i've been talking about the muscles under the chin but ultimately our fist is not just applying force up yeah. um, but also towards the throat right like back okay. towards the throat so we're applying a stimulus here that if we don't flex against it and we don't yeah. um breathe into our neck breathe into our face we're going to quite literally like have to stop the set because our airway is going to close off right yeah. so if you don't fire up all these deep tissues um you can't really accomplish what we're trying to accomplish yeah and when you do and if someone when you do that if you've got the the your your fist or your hand in a fist underneath your your jaw and mm. pushing into your pushing up into your throat as well and then you have your tongue suctioned up and then you you actually do a swallow you feel that push forward against your your fist, you feel it, and it's it's almost mm. like the like you say two things that feedback of like can you feel that happening, and there's also a a activation or strengthening element to that of like yeah. have you got the have you got enough strength in your swallow, and that being an yeah. indicator partly related to vagal tone that um, to be able to make that happen against a little bit of resistance. Um, yeah, what is uh, do you know? what the what that relationship is with swallowing and vagal tone because a lot of people will have heard of the vagus nerve and understand its relationship in mm -hmm. the autonomic nervous system but um it i, I don't i don't personally I know the, what the relationship yeah, is like with the, swallowing. yeah i think like with suctioning when we actually go and suction and we swallow and we start to make contact um with the throat sorry with like the palate in the back of the throat there through a swallow or through like the act of suctioning that that actually like activates the vagal nerve okay so the the yeah the action it's, like, it's an actual activation thing okay um so a bit like humming where when we're humming the vibrations as it runs through the voice box similar type of physical and, yeah, and the diaphragm so a physical um because i have um brian Rabella is trained with lewis laney from restorative breathing oh, yeah. if you come across her and um I remember him talking about cranial of, nerves. Yeah, right? about cranial nerve sequencing and swallowing. Again, so if someone has 
you know, a weak swallow, it sounds really weird. We're talking about weird stuff now. It's like, what do you mean a weak swallow? But the, like not being able to swallow well, not yeah. uh, after a long exhalation or a humming exhalation, not being able to, to swallow and the importance of being able to find a swallow when we're doing like some extended exhale yeah. humming, for example, um, that that being all to do with that cranial sequencing and, and, and obviously the vagus nerve being one of uh, sure, related man. into that. Interesting. I, I've come across, like, especially since I've been focusing on swallowing in particular more lately, you know, you just realize that a lot of people have kind of like a subtle swallow restriction. You watch yeah. people like, you know, just eat stuff and talk and, you know, they swallow. And like, yeah. You'll like, you'll see that. Like, a, like, like a global compensation, like from, yeah, yeah. from the hole in the head and neck. Yeah. And like, I, I know what that was like because like, I, I felt that too. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, you don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> you, you notice these. I'm. What's weird? I say to people now, you like go, like when someone smiles at me, like I can't now not. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that they're smiling, but at the same time, my eyes are scanning and I'm looking at their teeth and I'm looking about their like their 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 jawline. I'm thinking about their yeah. airway, and I'm either I'm either happy for them <laughs> or I'm like, <laughs> oh, you got a real narrow airway like me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, once you notice these, I, well, I'm laughing now because I know that I'm going to be sat having dinner with someone, and I'm going to notice. I'm going to I'm going to be noticing their swallowing um, all of a sudden now. You, you, yeah, you you can't help it. <laughs> can't really help it, man. Um, yeah. But the the swallow seems to be something that almost everybody struggles with for whatever reason. Again, it's it's indicative of like vagal tone and airway space. Ultimately, yeah. that's like we should be swallowing. I mean, I can't give you an exact number, but from like my experience in this stuff, teaching this stuff, feeling out this stuff, like there should be autonomic subconscious swallows happening like a couple times, like every minute or two, you know what I mean? Um, but I think most people, there's just like not enough saliva production. Their, their tongue is low. Their yeah. mouth is super dry. The mouth breathing, right? It just becomes like paradoxical. Yeah. How More everything sympathetic. Into everything. Eyes that, are yeah. down because you're on your phone. Yeah. You're in modern society everything go right so everything just kind of paradoxically yeah. feeds into everything and then yeah 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 i think what I'm, i think what i'm hearing is like and what makes sense to me is there's you sort of said it right at the start there's there's the sort of like mechanical side of these things and there's the nervous system side of these things and with swallowing we've got like uh if we're upregulated and we haven't got saliva um that's going to play that's going to play a, a role and then you've got the mechanical stuff of like if the tongue can't stay up and is actually getting in the way of the airway a bit at the back and then also our positioning of our neck is compromising that space mechanically our swallow becomes more difficult as well and so and then what do we do we like move the whole thing to make a very small it should be a small sort of movement in there but we move glow and that's what happens the body does with all sorts of things isn't it it's like if i can't do x i have a way to you know compensate for that movement it's a bit more obvious in yeah. bigger movements like someone looks like a squat or a lunge we see those compensations we're talking about a small movement that's ultimately i think with things like breathing and swallowing these types of stuff it's stuff on the inside so it's hard yeah. for people to um be aware of because they can't see it yeah. and sure they enough. can't feel it as much and then us as coaches hard we can't cue. we can't see how to cue and it's like you can't see it either so um it's a, it's, it is a it is an interesting relationship i think you have when you're coaching someone in breathing compared to say yeah a, a traditional strength training or um 
or, or whatever that it might be because um the feedback the athlete or the person is getting for themselves through the exercise and the feedback you're getting visually from them is very different to seeing someone doing a you know trying to go for a pb on a deadlift or a squat um completely different and like they're both relevant too it's like we don't have to say like one's more important than the other or one's bad and yeah only one of them is good there's different contexts and you know different skill sets that we build but we start with where we start and it just so happens yeah. to be from stack from like full access from a regulated state where we can dip into sympathetic when we need to we can dip into fight or flight when we need to but we generally we generally are in a parasympathetic state we we generally are we do have good saliva production we generally have our stack our suctions our deep tissue ten tensioning everything's in check for us to again just like keep ourselves alive because like you said the compensations are going to start ultimately um to keep yourself alive right it's because like yeah. the airways restricted so everything throat goes forward yeah right yeah you could say even sure. the same thing and like structurally too man even if we're looking at like let's say someone's knee in a squat like okay let's say someone's gone into like pronation and valgus on like a heavy squat and like one of their legs or something right and like okay we're, we want to say maybe that knee um is getting a little bit of stress but like well like shit what's going on through like the pelvis and the ribs like is there you know like what's going on through the groin yeah. are they able to like even tension through their midline or you know if we go yeah. and like work on that stuff and like how the breath relates to the position and the tensioning you might not even have to like tell that person to like cue them to get their knee out right yeah, you like yeah. organize that and then that knee will get into like a more safer yeah. position just off that because like the underlying stuff that's gonna control how like that femur articulates is in check yeah. right so it always comes back to the breath always 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> i said something to my um mentor group or the, the group of coaches that i work with that have done the oxman certification with me where um it's similar to the type of thing you said earlier around like our if we think about our body like mm. it's basically a rib cage with stuff hanging off it <laughs> you know it's like that's and so bro we're a sperm cell we're yeah. a sperm cell that grew limbs <laughs> and like we've got this we've got this this rib cage with this stuff on the inside that that needs to happen for us to stay alive and it and, and i guess let, let's that's what i wanted to go next anyways to to go i was gonna say go downstairs we've been talking about stuff going on up here like above the the rib cage or above the collarbones let's let's go down into into that and create being able to create pressure and be able to um, create stability by breathing with those correct mechanics you talk a lot about um hydraulics is a nice word that you use to describe what we're trying to do there and and what you were what you were going into then was talking about how when we've got that midline stability through not having to sort of globally compensate as i often talk about you know i talk about that like hold your breath and just brace everything yeah. because you actually lack that deep core stabilizing subsystem which the diaphragm is part of the force transfer or stability in the extremities like that that knee valgus in that situation you talk about that when that, that knee's coming in want to stay over when it's to stay mm -hmm. over the toes whatever the that is a that's like the foundations of a of a house right and it's in the center, in the yeah. center of us. Just give us a little 101 of how does Eric see where the rib cage is supposed to be, the importance and interplay of the the rib cage, the diaphragm, and and how that how that yeah. creates that that stability and why that's important. Okay. okay. 
So we've, we've been using the word stack so much. Um, and just one more time, like 90 degree angle of what our, uh, uh, if you're looking at somebody in a side view, you're assessing, are they at a 90 degree, are they able to create relatively a 90 degree angle at their skull, their neck, their rib cage, their pelvis, their knees, and their ankles. And you're looking at someone from the side, right? So <clears throat> we want to work towards that stack. Um, there's sweet spots in terms of the angles of how things are bending, the rib cage, the pelvis, how they're tilting. Um, now, the thing to understand is we want to get to a certain spot largely because of the pathological situation that we're in, which is everybody's stuck like this. Yeah. Right? Everybody's stuck like this, and we're all kind of trying to like get back our like height and length and like ability to get into an upright position. Now, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. When just for listeners, when you you when you were saying ninety degree, you're talking about relative to the floor, i.e., stacked like vertically upright. Yes, bro. But just think for yeah. some for some people they'll they'll think ninety, they'll think right angled. But you, yeah, you're no, talking about a vertical. Uh, you're talking about a ninety degree stacking vertically up, comparable to the floor. So you your body would make a ninety degree angle with the floor. The whole thing yeah, is stacked right, up man. like straight one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for just explaining that a little bit more for me there. Um, so getting to that vertical 90 degree angle and um, I guess what what ends up happening for most people because we're stuck like this right in this like more state of flexion or overly flexed right when we want when we when our body asks us like okay like all right Eric you're in a shitty posture like, go fix it or like I gotta go run or I gotta go do something where I need to be more upright a lot of people will want to start doing that right and as yeah. soon as they do that the the rib cage itself starts going forward right it starts flaring like this yeah right and then we're overly arching our back so what it really comes down to in terms of like the spine in the middle of the body is we don't want to exaggerate extension where we're like over my lower back's curving like crazy right now right yeah, yeah. and we don't want to be in here either right yeah. there's really like us and but then the interesting is like our the human body can still go into like relatively more flexed more extended like we have all these different options yeah. but home base right we visualize yeah. home bases we're ultimately trying to get into a state of extension where we'd be if we were upright and we were walking just standing upright um and again there's these sweet spots of how our rib cage is supposed to orient we don't want it to be this way that way same thing with the pelvis the neck the skull we're trying to get into these sweet spots of of alignment where we have that access and stability internally for the hydraulics to respiratory hydraulics to be able to like tension some of these deep tissues and then to also be able to have this play through like the organs the lungs the diaphragm the kidneys to you know be able to like pressurize up and down through the inhale and exhale uh while expanding right so it expanding and contracting yeah. so uh against it it, it kind of work you work from that vertical stack we know that like the human body has options to move in all these different positions. We really just don't want to be able to like exaggerate these like flexive positions, exaggerate these like extended positions to the point where like we you know, like we lose what we're trying to right. We we live, can't physically make the hydraulics happen, um, which would be indicative of like we're like overly stretching something or we're compensating within one spot, right? Or does that make a sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and oh like where where I wanted to sort of go to is the you've you've talked about the this this the stacking and the alignment, the importance of that yeah. because 
that ultimately is going to put the rib cage and the diaphragm that sits within the rib cage and attached to the rib cage and the spine puts that in a position for it to optimally move and create yes. the optimal um, stabilization through the, the pressure that it's going to do. If my rib cage is, you know, offline out of that stack, there's going yeah. to be some sort of compensation about it. And because the rib, because the diaphragm is attached to the rib cage, if my rib mm -hmm. cage gets projected forward, my diaphragm is going to go yeah. with it. So when we've got things, so like it makes a lot of sense as to why you're big on starting point being that alignment and that stacking, because that's going to facilitate then the movement. What then, what then are some of the key things you're looking for in terms of movement and things people can feel on themselves or be aware of in terms of how the rib cage is expanding and, and what they should be feeling around the, the diaphragm mm -hmm. that probably is going to, I I'm assuming is going to go beyond just feeling the belly expand. Of course. All right. And I think, I think you're big on this cue. We'll start with maybe this one, but the lower rib expansion, you're big on that one. You, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a huge one. If we're talking about the diaphragm, um, but there's also like front side rib cage expansion and backside rib cage expansion. So yeah. I guess if we're biasing like a stack, that's going to be more this way or a position that's like a little bit more flexive, we actually yeah. might bias a little bit more uh, backside rib cage expansion when we like breathe into our lungs there. Right. Yeah. If I'm uh you know, if I'm like a little bit more this way, where I'm going to maybe feel, I might have a little bit more feedback to get like front side uh, lung and rib cage expansion. I guess what it comes down to is again, like finding that sweet spot of the stack and these angles of the ribs and the pelvis, um, the tensioning and suctioning relative to that. So that like you get 360, you get like, oh shit, like my, it's not just the lower ribs are laterally expanding, like the upper ribs are too, um, all the way up here at the top, like, yeah, like, you know, like my first ribs are expanding. I'm feeling like depth and space between my traps when I'm breathing in. Like, um, so it's not just the bottom of the ribs, but the top, the middle, all directions. We want to be able to make all these things happen. Uh, again, a lot of it, I think, has to do with like bringing awareness to uh, the, the tensioning, the tensioning like relative to that, to yeah. the expansion within that area and the bone position that yeah. matches like with that tensioning, if that makes sense. Yeah. And another thing too, guys, I just, just not to get like confused but when we're talking about this stack again it's like you some people might be thinking okay eric so you're saying like we always have to stand like you know you always have to be like that you know what i mean at the end of the day there's you know like our, our we do this we do that right like, there's different <laughs> positions that we get yeah. into but yeah. there's still right there's still a connection um whether you're like hinging forward or you're leaning back right or if you have to like yeah. bias maybe a little more extension or more flexion again we're still working from like a connected connected midline yeah. right like i still have like buoyancy within like oh. my throat and my face because of the tongue suction and the deep tissue tensioning i still have like diaphragm and kidney pressure as i'm inhaling and exhaling my lungs are able to like expand my diaphragm i lower right the pelvic floor ribcage pelvis is connected whether i'm here whether i'm here right and as long as i don't like really exact you know like i can't expect to be like yeah. super balanced if yeah, I'm, like, yeah, yeah. really exaggerating some shit like this right just like, i can't expect to be super balanced if like my lower back is just curving like crazy ultimately compression right like diaphragm's just gonna get stuck there it's not gonna be able to pressurize or expand for either sure. um yeah. mate honestly for something that's that's made a huge difference for me since trying to work on my breathing and then since trying to understand breathing mechanics and then you know getting 
getting a better understanding, gradually a better understanding. I'm sure in another few years' time, I'll have a better understanding again. Yeah, but yeah, some of the work that we did last year together helped me. The one of the biggest things that helped me with my sort of movement training is having a better. It's that word again, awareness. Having a better awareness of my rib cage positioning and understanding how. Um, when I try and do something with my body, whether it's a hinge or whether it's a lunge or whatever the thing is, whether it's a pull-up or whatever the thing is, yeah, yeah. am I compensating and where is my rib cage? And my rib cage position is part of one of the, the, the sort of our go-to compensations. So having a better awareness of where my rib cage position is and the alignment and stacking of it or however you want to call it, but having an awareness of my rib cage and what I do with it when I'm trying to get into a particular position or do a certain thing or exert myself in a certain way has, op- has, has massively improved my awareness of compensation patterns. Like a classic one we have for people that so I can really, um, really simple one is like lying on the floor someone can be and it, it doesn't necessarily even matter if your legs are straight or your knees are bent but essentially um, you're lying on the floor and you're aware of your rib cage position on the floor and then you ask them to put the hands up in the air and then take your hands back overhead to, to, to see what that lat length is like and when lat is tight what do we see we see i probably in the past would have seen the lower back arching and go, oh, you're, you're arching your lower back what i now see is your, rib. your rib cage forward to compensate and yes when your rib cage goes forward your back arches but and someone might someone could someone could disagree with me but for me i am seeing the influence of the rib cage and when you because because this is i guess this this is what makes me um trust what i'm saying and seeing is that in one session i so i had a swimmer right Mm -hmm. who um you know like an international swimmer so high-performing swimmer, like classically tight through lats because of the sport that they do to get, yeah. And um, in the session, we went and did some breathing and we did some work on her, her, her alignment of her ribcage and the movement of her ribcage. And when we then just almost out of interest for me, it was like, let's just retest what that lat length looks like Oh, all of a sudden you're not now you're now not compensating through throwing that rib cage forward mm-hmm. as more. We didn't do anything about trying to, to try and help the the lower the lumbar spine or anything. We just worked on breathing. Yeah, and, and, man, and, and, and the that made the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and then it makes you think like, is the lat like chronically like tight for like structure like for like because of like the way this <laughs> yeah. person moves, or is it chronically tight because of like how the rib is oriented, which is pulling at the tissue? exactly or like where the rib is oriented which affects how the shoulder blade and the shoulder joint sits and then of course that lat is going to be like you know it's going to experience some kind of stress or trauma because of that yeah yeah no for sure um that's powerful man yeah no exactly and i think it's sort of it definitely for me it it sort of it proves that it proves that point or proves that fact um just then that probably the last bit then before i want to wrap things up by asking you we're gonna i'm gonna ask you about the diaphragm but the the i'll give you i'll preempt because my last question is going to be where do you see so i'm giving you a bit of time to think about it where do you Mm. see 
the breathing space and breath training where do you particularly in in sports like where do you see that mm. going in the in the next five ten years i think it's a fascinating um area that's it's it's getting it's starting to get it big is. but um let's just the we're talking there we're talking there a lot about yeah. the alignment rib cage the expansion of the rib cage sure. what about then the diaphragm and i said it's it's probably going to be more than just feeling the belly expand talk to me about talk to me about the diaphragm and probably it's interplay with the pelvic floor you know i i don't yeah. personally do i haven't had a lot of education in the pelvic floor what we've um what i've seen from a couple of people that i res respect as good coaches talk about um if you really get the diaphragm doing its thing the pelvic floor will will come you know for for, for you know a lot of the time the pelvic floor will behave itself um, you know there are other people that specialize in some pelvic floor work um so i've sort of just lent into that i mean it's an area that i probably need to do some more education in myself but um yeah, diaphragm and diaphragm and more than belly breathing. What's yeah. that look like? Yeah, yeah. I think just to piggyback off what we were saying before with the lower ribs, that's like a big feeling of we're starting to fire up our diaphragm. I think like sensory wise, that's always a good one. It's gonna be more like 360 though, right? Because to to call it just like the belly, we're really just describing like front side expansion. Right, but as we've like said, it's a 360 thing. So we can't we almost gotta like take that gotta like take belly breathing out of like our language almost. That's my opinion on it. Um, but the area of the belly, it's gonna expand, it just happens in a 360 degree fashion uh fashion. So it's like feeling your your kidneys almost on the backside expanding backwards, feeling like obliques and lower ribs expanding like outwards, and then yeah, like your gut's gonna expand forward a little too. The problem is um, where your stomach is but the problem is when it's like just the stomach and then everything else that yeah. i described isn't happening yeah yeah um, and and it's it's cool that you you were talking about how like the pelvic floor kind of interplays with that um because i really like do think that it does what what how i would describe it is when we inhale it's like our diaphragm and our kidneys um at the kind of around where the lower ribs are right? Diaphragms on like front side, lower ribs, kidneys are on the backside, lower ribs. There's a little bit of like play down and I'm exaggerating how much down there is, but when you yeah. inhale, they kind of like pressurize down. Right. And then, uh, same with your guts and then the pelvic floor balloon at the bottom of like the pelvic floor, all that, like, and that bro. And that's where, that's where that you want to take this conversation back. It's where that lady's not necessarily wrong that the pelvic floor actually is kind of like a diaphragm. It's not literally your diaphragm, but it's like another diaphragm, yeah. kind of like how we could say your tongue is another diaphragm too within like a separate cavity um but yeah getting getting the pelvic floor to kind of balloon upwards against the the guts and the the diaphragm and kidney and then it feels like a compressive kind of moment is happening as you're inhaling like a compressive moment the kind of organs meet in the balloon of the pelvic floor while the air is filling up and it feels like you're expanding uh in all directions so that's what you're looking for. What's going to help stabilize that pelvis and the diaphragm, ultimately just going back to like rib cage and pelvis dynamics, deep tissue tensioning. Um, and like, I feel like I keep going on on stuff here, man, that we can really dive into, but yeah. uh, even like the groins and the inner foot are very relative to the pelvis, man. Like in the pelvic stability to like maintain that sweet spot where like you can re have that pelvic bowl uh, have that balloon within the pelvic bowl kind of expand and feel like, whoa, I'm like breathing 
360 into like my pelvis right now. My butt feels like right. it's expanding sideways, my ass backwards, uh, like the perineum's getting full down. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how I would look at it. The diaphragm, the pelvic floor is definitely relative because if you can't like create that space to get like a feeling of like stability through the pelvis, the diaphragm's almost not going to expand um, fully too. But then you could say that for everything, right? It's like yeah. if I try and hit extension, if I try and get to like an extensive state, but like where like I pull my neck back and stuff and my head, but I'm just looking down the entire time. Well, like my chin's going to be lower. My chin's going to start like pulling into my throat a little bit. And then now I'm starting to work like flexion and I'm not stretching out the tissue as much as I can to be able to breathe into that or connect the dots through the midline as much as you could. So like everything yeah. always affects everything anyhow. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and I think that, yeah, that there's, there's so many, um, there's, there's so many offshoots, um, of this yeah. um i we'll think have to that, do another call, man. yeah 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 we, we'll have to um, i'm sure though um there'll be a lot of questions from the listeners off off the back of this um i've got and, and please do uh, uh send any questions in and, and we can set up another um a part two for sure um i just have one final question um i think you know we're both um interested in you know, the physical output of the body, whether that is in sports performance or whatever it is, but um, where do we see, where do you see the importance of breathing and, and breath training for sports, for athletes? And, and not necessarily, yeah, it doesn't have to be just like in professional sport, but, you know, there's so many, there's a gazillion people out there, you know, love training, running, going to the gym, or whatever it is that they do. Like, I've, I feel like, we're really on the cusp over the next few years of like it being, it's starting to be a real thing. And there'll be people like me and you going, oh. yeah, we've been saying this for ages. And then it's the people will be like, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah, I'm breathing. I don't know. Like the, like the strengthening of the diaphragm is, is an example of like, not just being like a, huh? of, of people actually like it being part and parcel of a strength yeah. training protocol. It's part of, part of what they, right. we, we do um, and it's a crucial and it's a, we want it to be like a crucial part of it it's not just like a side thing this is part of the bread and butter of like how we develop athletes do you, do you see it happening see it. like it's a it's a yeah, you know yeah. we live in we live in a niche at the moment right like and yeah where do you see that and and maybe how yeah i i really do think that we'll get there like dude it's guys like you jacko um you know like other people from oa who really like made the push to make just like the chemical side, just training like the chemical side of breathing yeah. and like, you know, like the basics of what we're trying to do to our blood chemistry. Um, but I still got, I still absolutely. tell you about a lot of people or coaches and things that just are still not there yet to, to really consider that as a, as an important part of, of yeah. training. It's, it's... I think it used to be a lot more woo woo or, you yeah. know, view is like, you know, why would I do that? I, I do feel like it's changed significantly, man, just like the space. Um, I mean, you could probably speak to that too. There's like, I'm sure you've seen, there's way more people coaching breath work like now than there was probably like five, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wait, I mean, I know I see it, um, but I do see this happening, man. And I think it's going to kind of happen due to like, again, the amalgamation and the connection of things. It's like once people really start taking in the like, Breathing isn't just something that affects how you feel or how you think or 
you know, how you breathe, like that's not enough for some people. What I think some people, you know, which is for yeah. you and me, that's more than enough. Keep those yeah. alive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Crucial fucking piece. But uh, <laughs> I think when people realize how much this implicates the stability of your physical body, I think yeah. that like, you know, as the, the information just keeps coming out there, you know, like doing talks like this, bringing the information yeah. out there. When people really understand, man, like this affects how we move and how we physically yeah. function. It's not just like, all right, you're gonna feel nice, you're gonna feel, yeah. you're gonna be in a meditative right. state. Like, yeah, interesting. You know, some people don't understand. You're gonna be more of a unit if you learn how to breathe <laughs> yeah, better yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. There was one thing that I, um, I think I'd, um, uh, I'd posted something about. Um, I wonder, it was almost like a, a wondering of, like I do loads of um, breath holding in just my normal resistance training work. I don't do loads of like heavy, like max strength stuff. I do lots of stuff within sort of 20, 10 to 20 rep range stuff. Yeah, I'm in, in, I'm doing like endurance training and in, in this thing. But I, I, I like my strength training, but it's just a little. Well, you're going off on the endurance training too. So like you're like indirectly like working your CO2 while you're doing that also. Yeah. yeah. And like I have maintained a level of muscle mass that I felt a bit like, because um, <laughs> sometimes if I do, if I'm doing an ultra, I don't do that many of them a year, but like if I'm doing an ultra, there's a there's a part of you, you know, you might be like 16 hours in going, why the hell was I doing pull-ups? Like I, I don't need like, you know, right now I want a lighter upper body and like, but anyway, anyway so, yeah. but I, yeah for for the amount of endurance stuff that i've done over the last two years i was feeling like the um the muscle mass that i was maintaining was a bit i was a bit like i was a bit surprised like i thought maybe i wouldn't hold that i mean and i wondered oh well i do a lot of my breath holding you as thought part you'd of this bro, training. Like you're saying you thought you'd be small you thought you'd maybe be like yeah. a little bit smaller yeah. physically and I looked at, I was like, Bro, oh, you're, I wonder... you look like super, you're super muscular, Jacko. You look awesome. <laughs> but I was like, I'm doing, I'm doing breath holding with my resistance training. I was like, I wonder how much that plays into hypertrophy response. And then um, mm -hmm. someone messaged me on Instagram. They were like, sent a, sent a paper, like a research paper. And so I had a quick, like, just to type in hypoxia or hypoxic training and hypertrophy. And it turns out there's absolutely a gazillion loads of, 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 of research been done and, and very conclusive that if you do hypoxic work with resistance training, you increase the hypertrophy response. And the, wow. the link that's missing is that the hypoxic training will be done with like hypoxic masks or manipulating the, the, the percentage of oxygen in the, the air people are breathing in a laboratory setting. They, they aren't do, they're not creating their hypoxia through breath holding. Um, but we we know that we create hypoxia and we can measure that we create hypoxia through breath holding. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm saying this, sorry, it's a long story towards the reason no, I'm saying no, it's it, a great story. But the reason I'm saying it was because I put a post on about, you know, a picture of me like trying to look jacked or being, mm -hmm. you know, basically being surprised that I was looking quite jacked. And I was like, oh, hypertrophy and, and, and breath holding. And it was like, 450 comments of, of people like what because I was like if you're interested it was like just you know well you're you see your response yeah. just, but it was like uh okay maybe for some people that's the starting point for them of yeah, taking man. breathing seriously as a thing that will change the way that they yeah. perform uh, but then where that may 
go and take with them. But it just, it, it highlighted to me when you were saying like, you know, for some people feeling better, breathing better is not enough. They want to like do this better or be jacked or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, actually yeah. it can do that as well. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, did, I didn't know that. I love to hear that. May I like you have to have, just have a search Google Scholar. Yeah. Just go hypoxia and hypertrophy. It's like yeah, there's it's a pretty, load of lot of studies, eh? Yeah, but not yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, breath holding to create the hypertro to to create the hypoxia. You know, mm. we know that that has been studied, but not then directly the effect on hypertrophy from breath holding. But you sort of got you're going to mm. take. I'm basically taking two things, and 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 and, and linking them together. Um, you know, one day. Yeah, so it. I guess in those tests they weren't like testing people for like. They weren't giving people a hypertrophy program. They just like were able to notice that there uh, were no, hypertrophy they, yeah, yeah, no, they were, they were they were making them doing resi like a hypertrophy based mm -hmm. resist, like you know, ten. I can't remember all of the protocols, but you know, sort of a ten to twelve rep range or something of multiple sets over a series of weeks. But they had one group breathing air that was lower in oxygen, so that they were becoming hypoxic whilst they were doing yeah, their yeah. training. Whereas what well, I'm and comparing that to a group that did the same training but didn't breathe um, air that had a lower percentage of oxygen and therefore obviously weren't getting hypoxic and, and comparing the results. What I'm saying with the breath holding is we know and we can measure our blood oxygen saturation like in a session when I'm doing breath holding, I get yeah. hypoxic. Hypoxia is anything under 91%. I comfortably get hypoxic during a session by doing some breath holding with my strength training. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's maybe that's what that's, that's uh, that's a set. I'm, I'm going to record a separate podcast diving into it actually. So, um, you should, man. I think that, but yeah, I mean, I didn't even know that's interesting. I've never heard of that before, but like it makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It makes sense, obviously, if you have like, if you have a higher CO2, like that's going to be more oxygen in your blood. Yeah. And, um, right. So, like, what do you mean about oxygen delivery to like the working tissues? Yeah. Um, sure. And depending on the order that these podcasts go out on, that hypoxic podcast might have already been out. So people might already be like, oh, yeah, I did listen to that one. Or if you haven't listened to it, either it's already out or it isn't out yet and it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eric, um, absolutely always love talking with you, learning hey, from man. you. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How can people follow your work, get to work with you a little bit more? Um, what are your socials? Yeah. Just give us those links. Hey, uh, everybody, you can check me out at underscore flow ops on Instagram. Follow me, send me a message. Uh, let's get to talking and see what's going on with your situation. We also have our membership group where we get very deep work in group coaching, um, a platform full of all the education that you're going to need, the programming, all the deep dive stuff. But of course, uh, um, getting the work in with us as a group, um, you'll be able to get a discount off that um when you join through through pro breathwork through jacko so that's yep. something i want you guys to look out for when we do drop the course but um outside of that i just wanted to say this to everybody listening here because i didn't want to forget it but um just going back to shop guys last point here when we're talking about that tongue suction it's really going to be that middle and back portion of the tongue that's going to get those paranasal cavities to open up um the tip of the tongue a lot of people will talk about the tip and how we want it to be just behind the back of the front teeth. That's very important. That's like part of it. We want the whole tongue to be cradling nicely into the palate, but it's the middle and the back. Yeah, it's like the tip of the, the tongue. The, the tip of the tongue is the easy bit, right? 
right? That is, that's, it is by far the easiest part. I think that was like one of the first things you said to me. You're like, man, I've heard about that before, but it wasn't the middle and the back action that you were able to make sense of. So like, yeah. that's going to be the muscular effort part of it. Um, and just remember that even like, as we're talking about this right now, feel that out, create that sucking effort, breathe into that. It's like, man, that, you know, if I don't have enough of a suck through the backside, you don't get as clean as open of a breath in. Um, so just wanted to make sure that was abundantly clear for everybody. Yeah. Um, awesome, Eric. Thank you. It's uh, one of the things I love about you, the the detail of your work and um, how much you clearly, and, and that makes this point really clear, how much you care about the information that you're giving and that the, the, the people are listening. You could see basically in your head, you would like going, I got to make this, I, I, I need to, I want to make this point before we go off. I want to make this point so that people, that people know. And it's, um, yeah, it's a credit to your testament of, of what you are like as a coach and what you're like as a human. So, um, yeah, big respect. Jackal, to you. Man, bro, thank you. Thank you for giving me the, this platform and this moment to have this conversation with you to talk about some of my work and bro, like let's, let's do another one of these calls, man. I think there's a lot more stuff we could tap into and yeah. I had a lot of fun today. For sure. And for people, if you want to, um, go and follow and, and, and check, um, underscore uh, at underscore flow ups on, on Insta and, and you can you speak directly with, with Eric in the DMS there. But also if you want to, we mentioned a couple of times we recorded a course together and, um, that is on probreathwork.com. Now there is an introductory offer, um, on it as well. And, uh, that is, me and Eric going through together. And at the end of that course, uh, if you want to go and take a deeper dive and join the flow ops membership, Eric has kindly gave a 15% discount code, um, within there. So that is within the course. If you want to go and take a bit of a deeper, uh, deep dive links to Eric's socials, the new course with Eric and me on probethot.com will all be in the show notes. Um, so Eric, thank you so much for, yeah, the work that we've done together when we met and your hospitality when I was in um, Canada last year um, and then for your time today on the on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Man, you're so welcome. Let's keep in touch, Jacko. Cheers, man. There we have it. Um, Eric on the Between Best podcast. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you can understand why I was excited to get him on and I hope you can understand why I've been enjoying working with him and why we've created um, the airway neck ribcage training course together that sits on the probreathwork.com uh, platform head over to probreathwork.com now and you will be able to get that introductory offer it's reduced to from 99 pounds to just 79 pounds or if you are a pro breathwork member you get it as part of your membership um, so it is included in your membership uh, so head over and check it out if you're already a pro breathwork member or if you're not well, you can sign up for a membership um, 25 pound a month or 199 pounds for the year i said just 199 pounds for the whole year and you get access to all of the online programs on there and the new uh, airway neck ribcage training program with eric from flow ops and myself is there now so you can buy it on its own 79 quid introductory offer or get it as part of your membership and if you're not a membership member yet Maybe think about signing up as a member. Link is in the show notes. Thank you for going and checking it out. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, thank you for for following. If you, thank you for those that subscribe. If you don't subscribe yet, maybe hit subscribe. Um, and I look forward to seeing you and, and and hearing from you. I'd love to hear from you of what you've thought of uh, of this podcast with Eric. There must be something. Um, that you learn within this um, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot more if you decide to go and check out the course that you're going to learn 
um, as well. So um, do do let us know. Do check out the course. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode, which hopefully will be next week if I can stick with my weekly podcasting on Fridays. Um, until next time, keep it nasal.